Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys for everything. I want to encourage you on Wednesday nights. I think we've been having a pretty good time. And uh, we're going to get a little bit deeper. It's a lot of fun if you can make it out. It's just good to come together in fellowship. You can do it online, but there's something lost in the digital. There really is. Uh, we appreciate if you're online. Thank God for those that do watch us online. We, we're thankful that you're there, and we pray that you're having a Holy Ghost fit in your house right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a little bit much, but maybe you're excited. Amen. Uh, you can have the fit later. Um, we're going to have a great time this Wednesday night. Starts at 7. We try our best to get out of there right on time so that children that have school and stuff can be there. Now, next week, I've, if the Lord releases me, I've been working on a message all week that I think is going to shift your gears. And it's called We Are Carriers. And so um, I think it's going to be really exciting to understand some things about how to know God. How to know God. I, I, I really am realizing the more I... I've been past. Do you guys realize I've been pastoring over 40 years? Over 40 years. And I've discovered that, that people really don't know God. They sit in churches for years. But I've sat in McDonald's all, for, for many times. And I'm still not a Big Mac. Just because you sit in church doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, it takes a while. Okay, okay, amen. Let's move on. We're going to pray today before we leave for Loretta and Tim and their family. We want to do that and join together. But first, let's, uh, let's just let the presence of the Lord touch us. I, I appreciate what's been happening in the worship. Now let's let the word come in and set it on our hearts, and then we'll pray for one another. Is that all right? Everybody good? Now the more you say amen, the sooner you get out. It's supposed to start snowing soon, so you better start amen and quick. <laughs> People ask me sometimes, what, what is holiness? And uh, the word holy in the Greek is the word hagios. That's the New Testament. That's the way you would say it. It's kind of the way you would say it. I can't pronounce it perfect. But in the Hebrew, it's kadosh. Kadosh, that's the Old Testament. It, what it means, the word holy means, is that person or that place or that thing has been set apart for God. That's what it is. So it's been made holy. It's set apart just for God. Keep that in your mind. Holiness is a place, a person, a thing set apart for God. Shift gears for a moment. There's a rule of Bible interpretation that you'll hear me use quite often, and that rule is the rule of the law of first mention. The law of first mention. So what that is is the first time that a subject is mentioned in the Scripture chronologically, whether it's in Genesis or Numbers, or wh the first time it's mentioned, there's always something very significant about that moment, that mention. There's something that God is teaching, a revelation about that word or that thing in its first mention, the first mention of healing, the first mention of praise, the first mention of whatever it is. There's always something very significant there. It goes for any subject. So the first mention is, gives us the idea of how God wants us to interpret that throughout the rest of the Scripture. So the first time he mentions it, you study it, and it'll kind of help you understand where God's going throughout the rest of the scriptures. So most first mentions are found in the book of Genesis, most of them. So when holy, let's look at the word holy, when was it first mentioned in the Bible? It was first mentioned in Genesis 2, verse 2. And it says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. Now let me stop right there. God did not rest because he was tired. Okay? God never gets tired. 
God's a 24-7 God. If you need him in the middle of the night, he's there. Amen. He's not tired. He's there. So it says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. And he rested because the work was finished. Amen. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done, which he had finished. And God blessed that day and sanctified it. That word sanctified is the same word as holy, kadosh. That's the first mention of holiness. That's the very first mention in your Bible. So, so, so he rested because he had finished the work, and he set that day aside, and he called that day holy. Now it goes on to say this. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, set it apart, because in it he rested from all the work which he had created and made. He rested from all the work. Now I want you to notice that the first time God mentions the word holy he also mentions the word rest. Those two go together for, in, in text, throughout all the text. So rest, the ability to rest, is a condition of holiness. It's a condition of holiness. Rest is a result of God's favor resting upon your life. When you don't have God's favor, you're all anxious and you're all weary. When, you, when, you're, when you're set apart to God, uh, you, you can rest in that. When you're not, then you're, you're, you're nervous and you're, you're worried and you're concerned and you're frustrated. So holy is first mentioned with the word rest. Now, I want to make another first mention right here because I'm starting to build a, a thought with you. And that's the first mention of the word grace. The word grace. Again, that's found in Genesis and again, it's very something very significant. Watch what it says, Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the first time grace is mentioned. The first time. It says, of all the people of the earth, Noah found grace. Now, what's the revelation here? Noah's name means rest. That's what the word Noah means, rest. In other words, rest finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Rest finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the more at rest you are, the more of God's grace is going to come upon you. The more at rest you are, the more you're going to be set aside for God's blessings to come into your life. The more at rest you are. You follow me so far? So grace is God's ability to do in you and for you what you can't do for yourself. In other words, I need God's grace to get saved. I can't save myself. God does that for me, right? So grace is something God does for me that I can't do for myself. And he helps me out. So when I talk about rest and work, works and labor, I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your employment when I talk about works and labor. I'm not talking about even your serving God in ministry with excellence. How many of you know if you do something in ministry, you ought to do it with excellence? But I'm not talking about that. I'm not referring to some kind of a physical labor. I'm not referring to some kind of how you serve or do your ministry, uh, how much effort you put into it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an internal striving inside of you, okay? Trying to do something to get God's favor. Trying to earn God's attention. God, look at us. We're down here, and our country's in a mess. What do we do? And we try to earn his favor. We try to pray into his favor. We try to sing into his pray, favor. We try to do all these things or actions, none of them evil, but they're not coming from a place of rest. They're coming from a place of we're in trouble. Help us, oh God. Amen. 
Amen. Listen to me carefully. I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm trying to help you some. So we try to make ourselves become worthy. We try to be good enough for God to pay attention to us. God, all the Christians in America, surely you've heard our prayers. You know, and so we, we, we try to do this. Now, as Christians, the Bible teaches us something that I want you to hear, that we're supposed to do this without a spirit of labor. Without a spirit of labor. Watch what it says. Hebrews 4 9. There, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest, talking about us, as himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Everybody say ceased. No, say it again. Ceased. You're supposed to cease from your works just like God did on the seventh day. And you're supposed to set it aside because it's something God is doing. It's not something you're supposed to be doing. So God, when he finished, everybody say finished. When he finished his work, he rested. So he's telling us in this text that we just read, that should be our same attitude. That whenever we do anything, whatever we do for God, it's already finished. Okay, I lost you. Whatever we do, we do knowing that God already finished the work. God, amen. God already has a plan for Flagstaff, Arizona. God already has a plan for your life and your children. I don't need to strive about it. God loves your kids more than you love them. In fact, God knew your kids before you knew each other. Before the foundation of the world, God knew your kids. And he just hopes you have a good time getting them here. Let's just move on. Amen. Trying to help you. So, so everything that we do, we need to understand that we enter the battle of it, not with striving. I'm not worried about if the devil's going to win. Jesus wins. I, I'm not worried about it. I, and so I enter it knowing that it is a one battle. It's one. If you go in the story, I'm not going to read it today for the sake of time, but it's over in 2 Chronicles 20. There's a, a, a huge armies coming against the people of God, and Jehoshaphat gets really concerned about it. Now he's striving. He's wrestling within. He's striving in his heart. And so he calls for all of Judah to fast and to pray. And they do. And God comes down and says, listen here, Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours, it's mine. I've got this one, son. I want, in fact, I want you just to stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. You won't even have to fight in this one. Just stand off and watch me whoop them. Amen. Jehoshaphat found so much rest in that word. He trusted that word so much. He was so confident in that. He brought himself to a rest so much so that he took it a step further and he said, this battle's already won. Why don't we start out with the praise and worship and instead of uh, doing it after we've, got the, we've already got the victory. And he sent the praisers in first. Are you hearing me? He said, we don't even need to send the army in first. We'll send the praisers in first because this is a done deal. And so he was resting. And that's what I, got, I want you to see today. It's a done deal. Amen. You don't have to come into it striving. We're not working for victory. We're working from victory. We're working out of the victory. Everything that we do has a touch of heaven upon it. Ooh, I'm having a hard time getting you to believe it. You will be forced to the only labor in all of the Bible, all of the Bible, the only place a Christian is supposed to labor is found in Hebrews 4, verse 11. It says, let us labor to enter into that rest. 
That's the only place we're told to labor. So this week's homework assignment, look at your neighbor say, here's your assignment. Here's your assignment, is to find out how to enter into that rest. You gotta get into that rest. You gotta get there. You gotta enter, listen to this, you gotta enter, here's how you do it. You're all frustrated. First of all, you gotta realize you've been set apart by God for favor. You've been set apart by God. God's already finished the work in your life. So when I'm going to enter into something, I enter into it knowing that God's already got it taken care of. That no matter what happens here, God set me apart and I will be favored. I don't care if the whole thing blows up, I'll be favored. Amen. I'm set apart for God. So when I enter into it, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not fretting over it. I'll do my best. I'll give it my best efforts, my best ministry. But my spirit is at rest. I'm not worried about if you like me or don't like me. Because just a few weeks with me, you'll love me. Just teasing. Just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm, it's not, those are not the concerns to have. The concerns or the places where I need to concern myself is in my worship to God. Knowing that I've already done what I haven't done. It, Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. And all I have to do is believe that and step into that. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4 says it this way. But God, who is rich in mercy. What a beautiful phrase. Rich in mercy. Mercy is, means to not receive what you deserve. Okay, Grace means God did something for you you couldn't do for yourself. Mercy means you did something really dumb and God didn't hold you accountable. <laughs> Amen. Can anybody relate to mercy? We ought to just call this church Mercy Gate. Amen. Mercy Gate Flagstaff. Boy, I'll tell you what, we need a lot of mercy around here. Where where God did not give us what we deserved. Amen. So God, God, listen to me. Aren't you thankful for that? Okay. He gives us grace. He he helps us do what we can't do for ourselves. And he's rich in mercy. Whenever we make mistakes, he's there to, to help us and to, to work through that and not hold us accountable for that. Listen to this scripture, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, we were messed up, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up together. Everybody say together. It's not together like you and me. It's not together like you and your friend, okay? It's together with Christ. He said, even though you were all screwed up, I was very much in mercy towards you. And I came into your world. You didn't find God. God found you. Amen. God found you. And God invaded your world. He helped you have enough faith within yourself to understand and say, God, forgive me of my sins. And he said, the moment I made you alive, I saved you, and I raised you up together from the dead. So just like Jesus was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. Some of you are still going to get raised from the dead. I believe it. (laughs) And, And he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he made me sit where? In heavenly places with who? Now, the Old Testament, the priest never got to sit down. He never got to sit down because his work was never finished. The reason we get to sit down is because Christ has finished the work. Amen. We're seated with Christ. That means we, the work is finished. Everybody say finished. 
So Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. When he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he triumphed. You guys know what that word means, right? It's a Roman word. Wherever the general would conquer another land, he would bring their generals in chains and naked and drag them through the streets, and everybody would, uh, would do it. He triumphed over them. So Jesus literally went into hell and drug Satan up and down the quarters of hell and triumphed over him. That's what the Bible says. It's absolutely powerful. And then he rose. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He rose enthroned, almighty God, full of power, full of dominion. And he says, I'm going to make you joint heirs with me. He allows you the same power, the same authority, the same ability to triumph over Satan in your world. And he allows you all of that in your life. And then he says, sit down because the work is done. Amen. Are you with me? Now watch. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here's why he does it. In the ages to come, this tells me, first of all, grace never stops. Aren't you thankful grace never stops? God keeps helping you. God keeps helping you. He just keeps on helping you. All throughout eternity, the Word of God says, God is going to have a richness of grace towards us. He's going to always be helping us. He's going to be working in our lives, doing what we need, what, whatever it is we need, even before we need it. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, where was he at? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Oh, I can't wait to teach you guys about that. The lowest level is power. The next level is principality. The next level is dominion. The next level is names. And the next level is thrones. One of these days. But right now, I just want you to catch this. You're above all of that. Except the throne. Except the throne. You're above everything all the way up to names. So where is Jesus? Where is Jesus today? I know you've heard this, but listen carefully because I want to get this into your spirit. Jesus is above every disease. Above every one of them. I don't care what you name them. Call them anything you want to call it. They can come up with a new COVID-25. I don't care what they come up with. He's above that disease. He's above every curse. I don't care if you're a gringo, a Navajo, or a black man. He's got every curse taken care of. I don't care where you came from. I don't care if your dad was a pirate. He's got it taken care of. Every lack. He's above every lack. There's no lack that he can't take care of. Every name, every disease, every circumstance. And where is Satan? Far below. Where are you? Far above. Where's Satan? Far below. He says he puts all things. How many things? All things under his feet. And gave us to be head over all of those things. So I need you to catch this. Because if you don't come into rest, you can't enter into the mercy and the grace that God has for you. You're not going to enter into the things that are there that are provided for you already. You're going to strive within your spirit, be nervous all the time, worried about if your business is going to make it, you know, worried about if communism is coming, worried about this, worried about that. You're going to be all fretful when, in fact, God's got it all in control. He's got it all, okay? So, so I'm seated with him in a place above all of these guys, above all the mess, Amen. I don't care who the mayor is. I do, but on, a, on an earthly level, but in a spiritual level, I'm above all that mess. Amen. I, I, I'm positioned in a position of rest. I'm seated. 
I'm not striving. I'm seated. I'm in a position of power because the work is finished and so are you. I want you to know today, church, I know this might seem elementary to you, but I'm not not sure you got it, that Jesus really did pay for it all 2,000 years ago. If he paid... So he paid, it, he paid it forward. He paid it forward. Do you, you follow what I'm saying? It, it, sins you haven't even done yet, he's already taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. Paid it forward. I was telling you, and I'll tell you again, I'll use it in an offering sometime because it's a great offering. But there's one guy that went into the, the Starbucks, and God just spoke to his heart. Pay it forward. Pay for the guy behind you. So he says to the person, I want to pay for the people behind me. I want to pay for their, their coffee. And the lady says, are you sure? There's like 11 orders in that car. He goes, okay, God told me to do it. So he paid for the coffee. When they got up there, they were so impressed, they paid for the coffee behind them. That went on for six hours. Six hours in that line of Starbucks. Because one person found rest inside their spirit and paid it forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm trying to help you see something. Provision for your family has been paid for. I know that you go to work. I know that you, you, you need to go to work. I'm not saying don't work, but I'm saying when you go, realize God's got provision for me. So keep your eyes open because working for $2.95 might not be where God really wants you to finish up at. Amen. Keep your eyes open. God might bless you. God might do something. God might open a door. Same thing with healing. When I was sick, and I'll share my testimony sometime, 12 years in Research Medical Center for liver cancer. 12 years. And God healed me and touched me and brought me alive. Everybody said I was dead. They called me a dead man. They, they, they never could believe it. I'm telling you, God has ways of doing stuff. He's far above anything that you can imagine. His protection is far above. He's far above. And somehow we try to get down here. And somehow we, we believe that our prayers are going to get God to do something. God's already done it. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm an advocate of prayer. We're going to get prayer more intense in our church. We really are. But we want to come from a position of rest, not a position of striving. Oh, God, we're about to die. Wrong position. That, that's, that's an orphan. That's not a son. Jesus didn't say, give me my day, my daily bread. He said, give it to me. Give me my bread today. Because he was a son. It wasn't an ask. It was a command. You read, the, you read it. He commanded. Because he came from a position of sonship. He came from a position of, 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 of seated and above. And it was finished. And I've, I've got it. Okay? And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. That when you pray, you pray from the position, God, I know you got my kid. Bless the Lord. I know you got him. Now let the hound dogs chase him right in in Jesus' name. You hear what I'm saying? You come at a different, don't, you don't snivel. Oh, God, he's just a mess. What are you going to do? You're the mess. God's got to work with you first. Because he needs somebody down here that will be a channel of power. He gave you authority on the earth. Those are your kids, your relatives, your demons. <laughs> same in the, one and the same in some cases. <laughs> yeah, you, amen. You got to be able to pray from a position. Are you guys catching on? Of rest, okay? You got to learn to pray from a position of rest. I'm going to try to teach you something. I'm going to have to have a drink of this water before I teach you this. This is too heavy. There was a young woman who 
beautiful young mother and discovered she had horrible breast cancer. It was into the bones, it was into the lymph nodes, and they was not given a good prognosis. So, now you're going to the hospital to pray for her. How do you pray? How do you pray? What do you do? Huh? The Bible says lay hands on the sick. Never even said pray for them. Just listen to me for a minute. Because you have authority. Just lay hands on them. You don't even have to pray. I know you think you have to go through the whole rigmarole, but the truth is all you got to do is lay hands on them. That's, what, that's all the Bible says. It never says pray for the sick. I challenge you. I challenge you, scripturally. You go find, I know you're in your little head. You think so. Here's the scripture, James 5, 15. Listen, here's the scripture. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, that's the scripture we think we all talk about. The prayer of faith, it's a prayer of faith. It's not a prayer for healing. It's a prayer of faith for the sick, okay? And what does it do for the sick? Saves them. Oh, you're still not catching it, but you, you, hang on. Sick, the word there is the word camno, which means to toil or labor, to become weakened, faint, weary, ill, tired because of toiling. That's what the word sick means. So in other words, when I come into a hospital room, I pray that they enter into rest. God, let their faith trust you so much that they can have peace in their spirit, that they can rest, that they can rest. It's when I got peace. Listen, peace is the greatest weapon you've ever going to have. Because if you got peace, what can the devil do to you? What can he do to you? Peace is an aggressive weapon. Jesus used it against storms. It's not this meek little mellow thing. Peace is aggressive. It's a weapon. And Jesus stepped up to the storm, spoke to the storm, peace. And it went down. Peace is a powerful weapon. So when you walk into a room, you're not praying over the sickness so much. It's not, I'm not saying it's evil to do that. I'm not saying that. What, I, what I'm trying to say to you, you need to come from a different position. When you walk into that hospital room, you look at them and you realize, this healing is already paid for. This healing is already paid for. Christ paid for this right here. Amen. Now, if I can get that person to have that faith, they'll get healed. I'm not putting it on them. I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I, I'm trying to say I need faith in the atmosphere. When I got faith in the atmosphere in that hospital room after 12 years, it wasn't but a few months, and I was completely back. I just, it's just amazing how fast it came back, but I had to get it settled in my spirit. And over those years, uh, sometime I'll preach it to you, God spoke to me four times, gave me four revelations. I was not praying. I was 92 pounds and sick as a dog. I was laid flat on my back, flat line. I did not pray. I didn't even think about praying. I was sick. I didn't think about uh, reading my Bible. I never read my Bible. I never prayed. But God saw me, and God visited my life. You hear me? God will visit your life. God sees you. God's already paid for the sickness. God's already paid for the disease. God's already done the work. It's already finished. Now what we need is to have the prayer of faith that will save them, help them not to toil and wrestle and worry and, oh, my God, what are we going to do with the bills and what are we going to do with this? And, oh, my, well, I should have spent more time with my kids and, and my mom. I forgot to kiss her goodbye. And Are you hearing what I'm saying? Woo, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. A little too close to home? Hard to understand? 
God made me to sit together with him. God made you to sit together with him. When you walk into that setting, you walk in in authority. You're not walking in begging and, and, and wondering and fearful. I walk into that place seated in Christ. I understand the work's already done. I'm not working for victory. I'm working from victory. The thing i got to do is create an atmosphere in that room that will release that grace. i got to get the atmosphere right. Usually when you walk into those rooms, they're full of death. And all the nurses, for 12 years, three or four times a day, giving me evil reports. Whose reports are you going to believe? I decided I'm not believing all that. They, oh, your blood count is down. Oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, my God, you're dead almost over. They had me dead every day. Amen. Woo, it's quiet in here tonight. And that got you nervous this morning. That's all right. I'm going to keep pushing because I'm not done yet. All of those things are under his feet. I have learned that I can walk into a room with people that have cancer and, and speak to that family. I don't speak about the disease. I don't worry about all the stuff they're hearing all day long. All I do is try to start building faith, building faith, building faith, building faith. This work is done. God has finished this. God is alive. God sees you. God loves you. God has grace to do what you can't do for yourself. God has mercy. He'll fix all your messes. It might be your own faults are in here, but God will take care of that. Don't worry about it. God sees you even in your mess. God saw you when you was dead and brought you back. Amen. Amen. This is the God I serve. And if I can get that atmosphere in the room, then I'll say, now listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay hands on the Bible, like the, uh, lay hands on them like the Bible says, and, and then we're done here. God bless you. See you tomorrow. No, you think I'm joking. I do it all the time. I've seen 33 cases of cancer that were documented completely healed. Okay, I'm just telling you, God is a healer. God will do these things. But you, gotta, you can't come in there trying to work it all up like you're, like you're going to be super spiritual. Like you're, No, no, it's not you. It's Christ. You're the representative. You're the ambassador. You're the, you're the, you're the envoy. You're the person there building and speaking for God on his behalf. Amen. You're not God. You're not Christ. But I'm a brother. Jesus calls me brother. I'm a joint heir. The same power and authority he has, he gave to me. He told me sit down right beside him. Amen. So the first thing the devil tries to do is move everybody out of the position of rest. Get everybody to work for it. Well, I'm preaching better than you're listening. The devil comes along. And says to us in all kinds of ways, but he says, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this situation? And he starts to, I'm not just saying sit down and do nothing, but I'm saying when I do something, I don't want to do it because I'm scared, anxious, nervous, worried. I want to do it because I'm, I know that God wants me to take care of these things. And I've got him, I trust him that all the rest of us taken care of. Are you following? He the devil brings to me an offense, a memory, a lie, okay? Then says, you better do something about it. You better do something about it. He tries to get me to come out of rest. He's always trying to get you out of rest. Think about it. Somebody says something bad about you, and you want to defend yourself. He wants to bring you into the, the devil's pulling you out of rest. You have to, Hebrews 4.11, what was what did it say? Your job is to labor to stay in that rest, Stay in that. Are you, are you with me? you got to stay in that. The rest means complete trust, confidence that it's done. It's finished. I, I'm going to stay in that position. So I'm telling you, Loretta and all, Tim and everybody that's going through this right now, the challenge is to stay at rest. To know God's got it. 
if God can take a little sperm and a little egg and make you, we know he's a miracle worker. If he made one spinal cord, he can make another. If he made one liver, he can make another. Amen. Wait till you pray for a, a person that's got nothing but goo in their eyeball. You pull your hand away and there's a little brown eye looking at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had it happen. You know what it makes you do? Pee your pants. Freaks you out, man. I don't know why it freaks you out, but it does. You just get, whoa! And you just, it's freaky. And really, it should be an everyday experience. But it just messes with your head because somewhere inside of us, we still don't believe. We still feel like we have to somehow get God to, to love us or help us or do something for us. And we got to be good enough for God. Maybe if I fast 45 days, that'll work. Fasting doesn't move God. Fasting never moved God. Fasting moves you. It gets you back to the place of rest. Because you've been out there so far, you're all messed. See, when, you're, when you've got a lot of steak and you've got a lot of macaroni and cheese in you, man, you can fight for a long time, but take it away 45 days and let's see how you fight. Maybe I'll just rest. That's what fasting does. Amen. That's what fasting does. Fasting will bring you right back. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you need to fast. <laughs> What do I do? When I enter into that room, I must, in my spirit, stay seated. I'm not righteous enough on my own. I was made righteous by Christ. I'm not good enough by myself. He did it for me. I have to stay seated knowing it's all done. And that I'm in right standing, and I'm seated in a place of position, and I'm going to call the devil's bluff. Amen. I'm going to call his bluff. God numbers the days, not the devil. God decides when things happen, not the devil. Well, if God wants it to go that way, then God goes that way. But I'm not giving the devil in a, not an inch. He doesn't get no glory for it. Are you hearing me? I don't care if they're a vile, raw gut sinner out there, doped out of their head, and they, they kill themselves. God numbers the days. You either believe it or you don't. The Bible says he numbers the days. So God's in charge. And it may not look... Like the work is finished. The facts the doctors may be telling you every day. It's a messed up scene. The reports may be coming back saying you're going down, my friend. But by faith, you stay seated. By faith, you refuse to move. My little cousin, my, my relatives are here. Uh, my nephew, I'm sorry, not cousin, nephew. Uh, his name's Jonathan. Jonathan got a very, very rare disease. Only four men in Arizona ever got it. The other three died immediately. They had put him on some kind of a... <laughs> All these machines, I can't even tell you what they were. Listen to me carefully. They pronounced him dead five times over six months. A million dollars a week to keep him in the hospital. It, we're talking about machines had that boy alive, nothing more. Newest machines ever, doctors all over the world flying in to see the whole thing. It was unbelievable. They kept saying he's dead. We kept losing faith. You know who didn't lose faith? His wife. That little girl... Locked on like a pit bulldog. She would not let go of the idea that Christ is a healer. She would not let go of the idea that God has a plan. And that that plan's not done yet. And I don't care what those doctors said. She'd look them right square in the face and say, I don't believe that report. Amen. She kept the faith. She kept the faith. And that boy's alive today because his wife, he better never leave her. He's a nut if he does. Amen. Listen to me. They're about to have a baby. They might have already had it. That baby's about to come out. That's a miracle baby. 
That boy's done lost toes and legs, and not legs, but toes. He's been a mess for years because of what happened to him. But I'm telling you, God's not done. Amen. And it's not finished yet. And God has a way of doing things. But we have to stay in the position of rest knowing that our God has done it. I enter into faith by knowing it's finished. That's how you stay in faith. It's finished. My labor is because uh, I want to try to earn it. I want to try to be good enough. And so, 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 you know, it's not that, listen, I don't want to get up here and preach sermons that are boring. You know, I'm going to work on my sermons, but I'm not talking about that kind of work. I'm not talking about trying to excel and do as good as I can do. I actually listen to my own sermons sometimes. Horrible thing. Sometimes you preach and listen to your own sermon, see what it sounds like. It's a nightmare. It is. It's horrible. You think, oh my gosh. I, you, anyway. I'm not saying don't work on it, but I'm saying I have to believe that Christ is doing a work in here beyond my words. Amen. Now listen, how do you think God, are you guys all right to go for a few more moments? How do you think God defines evil? Evil. Watch Hebrews 3 verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. The word evil there is the word paneros, paneros in the Greek. So if I ask you today to define to me what is evil, some of you would say, well, that means wicked. That means bad, bad spirit, bad motives. Bad does appear when you study paneros, but it's like a subdivision of it. It's a second definition of the word. The first definition of evil Here's what the word paneros means. Full of labor, toil, annoyances, harassments. So an evil heart is a heart that walks in all frustrated. Oh my God, what are we going to do? The Lord said, if I abide in him. Abide in never, Never mind. What are we going to do? You guys are missing it, but that's okay. We just let that, cut that out of the tape. We get nervous about the president. We get nervous about our wives. We get nervous about our kids. We watch things happen. We get nervous about our, we get full of annoyances. We get full of, of, of labors and all that. And God says, that's the evil heart. That's the evil heart. It's not doing bad. Bad is, will come out of that. So when God says an evil heart, he's talking about a heart that's laboring, striving, trying to be something that's not. Trying, you're trying so hard to make things right in your home. You, you try so hard to get everything right so that God will visit you. You ought to get things right so your husband visits you, but you got, you got to. God will visit you because he loves you. God's grace is there all the time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you following me? I, I need to know. So, so yeah, if you continually have these kind of hearts, you're going to start doing bad things. But I want you to hear this. I'm trying to help you. You don't want to enter into those spirits where you're trying to get God's favor. You're trying to earn something. Jesus did that for you. All you have to do is accept Jesus. That's all you got to do. Once you accept him, you can't accept him more. Once you're saved, you're saved. You can't get saved a thousand times. You're either saved or you're not. Amen. Honestly, you go up to the altar sometimes to realign things because you messed up. But God, when I come, I know that God has already got it taken care of. I know that God's, I haven't lost my salvation. I've just lost my mind. 
And, and God's going to help me get it back. And God loves me. And God loves my wife. And God loves my, not my dog, I don't have one. God loves my kids. Are you hearing what I'm, tra- I'm trying to teach you? So, I'll go today and I'll pray for Tim. Okay? When I walk in the room, what I will do is I will try to build a spirit of faith in him. Amen. Here's what God spoke to me. I'll just tell you. I'll, I'll tell him today. But you can hear it ahead of time. She sent me a picture of him in the hospital room. When I saw that picture, I've seen him sing up here. I've been in the men's meetings with him. I've been around. I've seen him quite a bit. Great guy. L- like the guy. Good guy. But when I saw that picture, the Holy Spirit said to me, I have my hand on him for ministry. Mentor him. That's the first thing. I don't know. There he's lays in that bed. All I know is God's not done. Amen. There's more there. I don't understand it all. I just know that God's got it. Amen. And before Tim was ever born, God had that call on his life. Before I ever came into the world, God had that call on his life. So what I got to do is get him to enter into that faith. If he'll come into that faith, it'll give him purpose, and that healing will snap right to you. The healing will come right. The healing's not the problem. That was handled years ago. The faith is the issue. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I can get him to rest in the fact that God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. I've had people, we had, you might remember Art Goddard. Do you guys remember Art Goddard? This is a pastor in a church. I'm almost done. Climbed a ladder. He's an electrician just like Tim. Reached way up there high with a screwdriver, did something, and cooked his spinal cord. Cooked it all the way down through his body. His blood had to be transfusion because it was charcoal in his blood. It jacked him up. He lived. But he was for a year, it was longer than that, maybe a year and a half, two years, almost a quadriplegic. He had movement of one arm a little bit, and that's it. That's it. And so there he was sitting in a conference one day. Nobody prayed for him. Nobody said nothing. But somehow, something that was going on inside his spirit, he said, God's got this. Something happened. Up out of that wheelchair, right in the middle of a sermon, walking down that aisle, amen, complete, I mean, we're talking about his little legs after a year or so, they're about that big around. Here he comes, like the scarecrow. Amen. I didn't care. There he came. You hear what I'm saying? God put his meat back together. God put his muscles back together. God put his sinews back together. God always puts bones back together. Amen. God's good at putting sinews and bones back together and making an army. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God's got this. You guys all right? It makes you nervous to talk like that? We are Christians in here. That means we're Christ's followers. Amen. I'm not here to preach CNN. I'm here to preach Jesus. Job 3.25 says, For the thing I greatly feared came upon me, and what I dreaded happened to me. Watch what Job says. I, this is what I see. He had no faith. He feared. Oh my God. I'm not at ease. I'm not quiet. I have no rest. Trouble comes. See, fear is born out of unrest. When there's no rest, when you're not at ease, when you're not, when you're not quiet, when there's trouble, then this is what's happening. Job entered into that because of his agitation. Anybody would be agitated when you have nine kids get killed. All your stuff die and your wife talking trash. Amen. Don't be mad at her. Think about it, man. Think about it. We, we get mad at her sometimes, but really we ought to give her a little grace. She just had nine kids die. 
Come on, give her a little grace. So she's talking a little trash, but he got agitated. He got worried. He, anxiety came in. And he entered into unrest. And when he entered into unrest, it caused all kinds of things to happen. So what he did, watch what he did. The Bible said he would rise every morning and offer burnt offerings for his children. Let me read it to you. Job 1.5. And it was so, when the days of their feasting was gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, made them holy, set them aside, and rose up early in the morning, burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So every day Job did this continually. So what was his attitude? He wasn't praying from victory. He wasn't praying that God had him. He, he had this fear in his heart. My kids are jacked up. My kids are going to hell. Oh, no. Lions, tigers, and bears and things. What am I going to do every day? I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm going to have a big burnt offering, and I'm going to do this. And does it sound like he's at ease? Does it sound like there's rest in his heart? Huh? Some people take communion because they, they want to be in connection with God. Others are afraid to take it because somebody told them if you take it, you could die. We'll talk about that scripture sometime later. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As Christians, our labor is to rest. Jesus paid for everything. I'm, I'm almost done. Can you let me finish two times? I just say that to help you out. I'm not, I don't really mean any of that. I'm just, I just say it as preacher talk. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. When I was in elementary school, there was this guy that was the janitor. And that janitor worked so hard, man. He tried to, and he would pull this hose all, I don't know why he had a 150-foot hose, but he had one to water these plants. Well, of course, when we saw him, we as kids, we'd step on the hose. He'd be wailing, he's yelling at us, but we just stood on the hose until he came back to get us off the hose. So as he came back, we'd get off the hose, we'd run away. He'd go back out there, we'd step on the hose. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. The poor man was just trying to do his job. My point in that is, God's supply is always flowing. But every time you get full of worry and unrest, you step on the hose. You stop the flow. God's flow is there for all of us. But when you get all anxious and worried, and, it, and you, you, you're, you're praying in this desperate, I'm not saying don't pray for your children, but come from it from a different place. Come from it from a place of ease, rest, po being positive, not negative. Don't enter into it as, oh my God, they're going to burn in hell. Enter into it. The Bible says your household shall be saved. Your Bible says the household shall be saved. So pray from that position. They're saved. I believe they're saved, God. Now go get them and drag them out here. Let me slap the fat out of their face. They're saved. Amen. Amen. Corey Chin Boone said it this way. As I'm, I'm, I'm almost here. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, th with thanksgiving. You're thankful because you know what God's already done. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, that's what we was talking about, that surpasses even your, little, your, your, your great brain, your high-tech brain, it surpasses it, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus.
Can somebody say amen? I'm going to stop right there. I've got a lot more text, but what time is it? Shoot, how long have I been preaching? <laughs> I just now realized i got time on the clock, man. What are you talking about? I'm over here all worried because you guys are sitting there looking at me like that. See, that worry took that, that unrest got in me. I bind it in Jesus' name. These people are faithful and they want to hear the word of God. Matthew 6, let's look at it and we'll be done. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is, is, is in a fire on I-17, will he not more, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? After these things, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they seek those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all those things. So you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his right standing, in right standing with him. And all these things will be added to you. So is God saying to be irresponsible? No. In fact, he's saying to be more responsible. But be responsible to stay in rest. Don't toil. Don't freak out. Stay in rest. Let the supply flow. If God will give those little sparrows a french fry on the Burger King parking lot, he'll give you a steak at Texas Roadhouse Grill. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, he will. I'm looking for bitters right now. No. <laughs> when you pray, listen, I'm, I want you to get this. When you pray, please try to remember, don't let me pray from a place of unrest. Don't let me pray. Let me believe that God's already got it. And let me pray from that place. God's got this. When I give, when I give in offerings, I'm not giving, oh, God, please, this is my last dollar. Give knowing that God's got a lot more money where that came from. God's not just your resource. He's your source. Your job is a resource. Those come and go, but sources never change. He's your source. And when I relate to others, let me make sure that I don't come up to you all freaked out because I've heard bad things about how you're the witch of Ondor. You're some kind of a warlock. I don't want to come to you with a, oh, my God, oh, my God. I don't want to enter in like that. I can't function like that. Neither can you. Is that right? Okay, so together, say this with me. Let, this is Hebrews 4.11. Let's put it right up there. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Bow your heads. Father, we pray right now for everyone in this room that we could live a life of rest, a life that completely is confident that you've got the battle, that you've got the day, that the day is won in heaven's courts, that this is not, that in heaven's courts, the decision is made and we've been acquitted and forgiven and all the records washed clean. Let us come from that position. Let us know, let us have an aggressive peace. We're aggressive. We don't lay back and just try to be this meek, mellow person. We're aggressive because we are confident in our God. We're confident that our God can heal. We're confident our God saves. We're confident our God is creative. If he has to make a new one, he'll make a new one. Our God can supply every need. He can give us property, buildings, people. Our God can move any way he wants to move. 
There may be a fight, but I will remain in rest. I'll send the worshipers first. I'll remain in rest. I'm not going to worry about the fight. God's got it. In Jesus' mighty name. Pray with me right now, just when when your heads are bowed. God, give us rest over our grandchildren. Give us rest over our children. Give us rest over our finances. Help us, God. Give us rest over our marriages. Some of you have been striving a long time in that marriage. And you'd say, well, if you had to live with them, you'd understand. I got it. Some people are difficult. There's no doubt about it. Marriage was never designed by God to make you happy. That was never God's design of marriage. God's design of marriage was to make you holy. (laughs) For you to learn how to set aside things. And how to set aside and bring your family together in unity. Sometimes that's a real struggle. Because we have become so selfish and we just see it our way. And God has to help us to get through those times. Amen. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe you've come today as a friend, a guest. I don't know how you got here, but I know that God loves you and that God already sees all the way to the end of your life. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He saw before the foundations of the world, you. I don't know how your parents got together, but God wanted you. And there you are. And God sees everything you're going to do all the way to the end of your life. And he has a destiny for you. And in your spirit, God placed it inside of your spirit, according to Colossians 3, like a guidance system. And your spirit, man, not your soul. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your feelings, your reasons. But your spirit, man, knows your destiny. It knows your destiny. Your soul, man, will take you clean off out in left field somewhere. But your spirit, man, will guide you right back to that destiny. But that spirit can't come alive until Christ has been invited into your life. Then you're called what we call born again. Your spirit comes alive. And at that point, you can start navigating right towards your destiny. God will bring you to the right husband, right woman, the right job. All those things start coming together. Amen. I don't know your condition today. I don't know how you're standing before God right now, but I feel in my heart there might be one that say, Pastor, would you just include me in a prayer today? I need to get my heart right with God. I need to say, Jesus, help me. I really am lost. I, I, I want to say I know where I'm going, but I really just don't even, I don't even know what to, courses to take and call. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me, God. I need Jesus in my life desperately. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to allow me to pray with you but I need you to have an action of faith. Say, that's me. I want you to lift your hand up high and then set it back down just as a sign of surrender to God. I see these hands. These hands are going up all over the room. Hands are going up all over the room. God bless you. You can set them back down again. God can restore. Our God is a restorer. He can take messed up things and bring them back to life. He can put new hearts in people. He can give people strength that you didn't know had strength. Amen. He could take the most perverse, wicked person and turn them all the way around and make them fantastic Christians and great leaders. That's our God. 
Now, Father, every person, let's all say this together. Everybody in the room, say this with me. Lord Jesus, if you raise your hand, you got to say it. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. From this day on, I'm going to rest in the fact that you died for me and you rose again from the dead. And from this day on, I'm going to rest in the fact that you're my Father. You see me. You've got mercy for me, you've got grace for me, and you've got victory for me. And I'm going to walk in that, in Jesus' name. Now I rebuke the devil, and all those distractions, and all those things that make me want to fight, and be anxious, and uneasy. I cast them down, and I enter into rest, confident in my God, in Jesus' name. Now let's all give the Lord a big clap offering, can we? Come on, give the Lord a big clap offering. We had hands all over the room. Amen. Now my normal practice would be to pray with you personally, but with all this silliness going on, we have to kind of watch that because I don't want to offend anybody and all that. So, But I do want to do one today. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to break the rules. I want to pray for Loretta. So Loretta, if you would come and stand in the front here. We're, we'd usually call our folk, our council, our leaders to come help. But today, just because of all the situation, we're going to be gracious here. I ain't got no Rona anyway. Come on up here. She doesn't either. Amen. I'm feeling strong and good. Hallelujah. Amen. She's been through a tough year. It's been a tough year, boy. But our God's got it. And I don't know why God does what God does. But I can tell you, God has plans. God has plans. When I saw her husband in that bed, I said, God's got plans for this man. Beyond what I understand. We sent out a young man, second month in ministry, got in a horrible car wreck and broke his back. He's been in a wheelchair his entire ministry. He used to go to high schools and witness, and they'd dump him onto the sidewalk and leave him there on the hot pavement and run off, leave him burning there. He'd climb back in that wheelchair and be back the next day before it was done he had 800 of those kids saved and in church he's built a great church he continues to build a great church this stuff doesn't stop God amen I don't understand all those things but I'm still believing he's going to walk I haven't gave up and in Tim's situation that spinal cord is going to regenerate it's going to regenerate we're believing God for that those nurses are going to go whoa see that's what they said to me that's what they Man, you're a man of strong spirit. That's what they told me at UCSD Medical Research. You know what I did? Every time I signed in, you know how you have to sign in? I didn't sign in Ray Kirkland. I signed in the man that shall live and not die. The man that shall live and not die. They mocked me at first. Oh, there's a man that shall live and not die. But when I left, there's a man that shall live and not die. It shifted. And God's going to shift this too. Okay? Will you guys stretch your right hand, the hand of authority out towards her? Father, we pray for Tim right now. He may be in surgery this very moment, Lord. Guide the surgeon's hands. Guide the wisdom of those people watching over him. But Father, today, release faith. Release faith. We rest in the fact that you've got this, Lord, and you have a great and marvelous plan, and Satan has not stopped it one iota. And that your plan will come to pass. It will be exactly as you've designed it and you want it to be. And I release finances. 
prosperity, blessings, uh, unusual events, creative miracles into her life. Lord, I release the understanding that you are a creative God and that you will reach into that room taking off all limitations and you will bring healing. I pray creative miracle into that spinal cord, into those bones, into those ankles. These bones will walk again. These ankles will move again. We release your presence, God. Fill Tim with faith. Fill him with the spirit of hope. Hope in Jesus' name. Hope in Jesus' name. Hope in Jesus' name. Amen. And let Loretta sleep like a baby. When she finally gets some rest, when she lays that head down, she can't even hear the phone. In Jesus' name, let her rest. Give her a big hug, Gail. They get mad when I do that. If I said to you, if I said to you, hey, the fish are biting at Lake Roosevelt. Let's go. You get all excited, I pump you up. We go to Lake Roosevelt, we fish all day and not even a bite. Not even a bite, not a nibble. We look at all the other boats. They're catching fish, but not ours. So we come back the next day. Maybe we're in the wrong spot. Let's get that guy's spot first. And we fish again all day. We have what? Great hope. Great hope. We're going to catch us some fish. About the fourth day out, we haven't got a bite. We haven't got nothing. What are we starting to lose? Hope. And now we don't even have enough faith to get in our car and drive out there again and try it. So hope comes before faith. You hear what I'm saying? Keep your hope strong. This church needs to be a church of hope. Amen. Hope. Because we believe our God is able. Amen. And if we just keep going, we'll throw that net in and I'll sink our boat and fish. You you forgot. That's a Bible story. Pastor Ray will explain that to you after the service. Have you learned something today? I want you to stay in rest. I want you to stay in rest. Our our nation's in turmoil. We're not. Our king is still the king. Our Lord is still the Lord. Our God still has it in the palm of his hand. And if he wants to teach us how to pray, then he's teaching us how to pray. Whatever he wants to do. Amen. We trust our God. You hearing us? You hear me? We trust our God in health situations. When you're going through financial things, we trust our God. We try to work together the best we can to help each other the best we can. That's what we do. Amen? I know it's cold out there. It's probably snowing. That's why we kept the doors shut so you couldn't see it. No, it's not true. Amen. Be careful going home. Be careful going home. Drive careful. Enjoy your day. If you don't root for the Seahawks, my wife won't like you no more. (laughs) She is a straight-up Seahawk fan. I'm sorry. I don't know. You know, so the bills are going down today in Jesus' name. No, God loves the Seahawks more than the bills. I've always wondered about how these sports guys get it. Anyway, 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 we love you guys. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to continue on just a few more times to try to build more and more understanding in us. Understanding is a principal thing. Amen? Can we stand together? Thank you for taking the time to be out. Now, usually I try to get people to hug one another, but again, I'm trying to be careful here. But you can at least turn around and smile at somebody. And if you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. Amen. Let's sing a song of dismissal. Sing a song of victory. And after this song, we'll be dismissed. We love you guys. We really do. God's got good plans. Amen. 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 Come on, let's go.